Welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brent. And today's episode, we're discussing the Stains SST 10, which is it's a big deal. We're on episode 10. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Against all odds. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, no one thought we could do it. Only, only what, 390 to go-ish. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to talk about the Stains, and we'll get to it in a minute. We've got a few spiels to get through. But, I mean, the thing that comes to my mind immediately is I've read those Henry Rollins books, uh, the Fanatic books, and he always gripes about how this is a very unknown SST band, but also a very excellent band, and it's too bad that Greg Inn does not all, either does not release or allow uh, the Stains record to be re-released. So it'd be interested to talk about that. But first of all, a couple of spiels. We have got some updates, I guess, on a couple of things that we spoke about a few episodes ago. Why don't you uh, start off with the first one, Brent? Sure. So uh, if anybody is listening and is not hasn't checked us out on social media yet, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We've been posting pics of a lot of the stuff we talk about. Uh, we're at, at You Don't Know Mojack on Twitter. That's the letter U, Don't Know Mojack. And on Facebook and Instagram, we are at You Don't Know Mojack, Y-O-U. And... Uh, Let's see. Well, we got some answers to a few of our questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, we've gotten tons of great feedback about uh, people sending in their own uh, ballot results, which is awesome. We love it. Keep those coming. Uh, lots of great feedback from people. Uh, lots of people agree with us, disagree with us. Of course, uh, everything we say on the podcast is strictly a matter of personal op uh, opinion and taste. So, And uh, we recognize that everyone... Uh, has their own opinions and we we love hearing them so keep those coming please and uh, let's see we had a few responses about it must have been on the nervous breakdown episode where one of us said something about neb the lyric nebbed out that was you yeah i think it's from the song wasted and a few people have let us know that that's a reference to nembutal which is a tranquil tranquilizer apparently <laughs> there you go I definitely did not know that. And we've also had a couple people set the record straight on uh, SWA versus SWA, the Chuck Dukowski uh, band we're going to be getting to, I don't know when, sometime next year probably. <laughs> yeah. Or be a, a few years out. Probably. It could be. Anyways, we've had uh, two verifications now that it is definitely SWA. At Hagler310 on Instagram says he heard a, a bumper on KXLU radio during a pledge drive that said, uh, hey, this is Chuck and Ray from SWA, and you're listening to KXLU or something along those lines. So that's cool. And alias Dan Davis on Twitter says John Doe mentions it in his book, Under the Big Black Sun. He says uh, he's talking about SWA, and he says that it rhymes with draw. I missed that when I read, I actually did read that book and I missed it. And that was my bad. I always, for some reason, wanted to call them SWA, but you know, like. That would make sense. But. Yeah. DRI, DOA, SNFU, SWA. It just, uh, 
it was the punk thing to do to spell it out right yeah lots of people have been sending us pictures too like we got some pictures of like the original damaged with the anti-parent record sticker some people were sending that to us so keep all that stuff coming we love getting all that stuff and it's great to know that people are tuning in speaking of that sticker i just listened to a podcast where henry rollins was on it and he was talking about that and explaining that it's actually of those unicorn releases it's actually more rare to find one that does not have the sticker on it. Apparently, they they printed up all those stickers and the SST crew slapped them on the jackets in in shifts to get it all, like 20,000 or something like that. Maybe not even that much. Uh, but the ones that do not have the stickers on it would have been personal copies from the SST crew. So very rare to find one of those if anyone has one. Yeah, people should check that podcast out. It's called The Vinyl Day. Vinyl, I believe. Mm, Vinyl Engine? No, can't remember. No. Well, it's good. It's got Henry on it. I've listened to it before. Uh, Buzz King Buzzo's been on it, and a bunch of cool people have been on it talking about their record collections and stuff like that. And it's called The Vinyl Guide. And Henry, Vinyl Guide. Henry was on the hundredth episode, and it's it's worth checking out for sure. Yeah, The Vinyl Guide. It was good. I also like the Dweezil Zap one. I told you that already. That was one. Um, hey, Brant. Yeah. Did you get your Husker Du box set yet? I have not gotten mine yet. You? Oh, am I am I allowed to talk about it until you get yeah. it? Yeah, talk about it. Have you unboxed it? Oh, I totally unboxed it. And I actually, I bought the version with the extra circus. Oh, good. We'll need that. It comes with... Uh, we'll need, well, we're going to need that right away. Yeah, it comes with extra tracks that were recorded around the time of Metal Circus, and which are very cool. I've heard a couple of them before. I heard a fair amount of the stuff on the box set before, but I'll, a ton I have never heard before. And for those who have never bought anything from that label, Numero Group, everything that they do is just top-of-the-line quality and packaging. It's insane. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's expensive, but... You don't regret buying it. I've got the Unwound box sets, the Orc box set, the Scientists box set was really good that Numera put out. Just anything they did one for uh, they did one for a '60s band called the Creation this year that was quite good. Oh, I haven't checked that one out. You've got it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yep. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, oh, is is that the band that does that song Making Time? Oh, I got to check that out. Okay. Um, anyways, about the Husker Du box set, though, some things that I thought were really cool is the earlier tracks that I hadn't heard before. I had read about this, and I've never really uh, looked into it, like on YouTube or, or on bootlegs, but some of the earlier stuff that sounds kind of post-punk, mm-hmm. they were they, they kind of sounded post-punk and even had a bit of a pop edge to them before they went hardcore, and some of those tracks are very cool to hear. The other thing that is very cool to hear is, I guess it was like the second set of the Landspeed record recording sessions. They The Landspeed record that we all know, that I think was actually originally put out on New Alliance or maybe Alternative Tentacles before it was released on SST, that is like the fastest of the fastest Husker Du live sets. The one that's in the box is kind of a slower more melodic set is kind of like the sister album to the Landspeed record and so that's very cool the version i got came with the book as well and the book is really cool i mean i've read you and i've both read a few 
Husker Du or Bob Mould books, but there's still some tidbits in this book that are kind of new to me anyways. So anyways, I highly recommend it. You definitely have to uh, save up your allowance to afford it though. Yeah. Uh, hey, I got a record to mention. What's that one? I don't remember what which episode we were talking about, Big Walnuts Yonder, and I mentioned Terra Milos. Yeah, right. Yeah, they have a new album out. It's called Trash Generator. It's on that label Sergeant House, and it's good. You'd yeah. really like it. What's the name of the band? Terra Milos. Terra Milos, okay. Yep. I first heard them on Mike Watt's podcast, I'm pretty sure. I was reading the bio for Big Walnuts Yonder because I wanted to uh, make the connection about you know who who the the uh, who the dude was that was in both bands, and it's a guy named Nick Reinhardt plays guitar and sings in both bands, and uh, he tells a story. I'm pretty sure it's on the Sergeant House web website, maybe, about opening for or playing on, on the same show at some festival, maybe, as Mike Watt's band in Ireland. He says to Mike Watt, like, that's so awesome that you played with Nels. And Mike's like, you got to play with them. Let's start a proj. And they, <laughs> and they did Big Walnuts Yonder. But uh, anyways, you should check out the Terra Milos album. I think it's right up your alley for sure. Okay. It's kind of jazzy punk. Yeah, I would definitely like yep. that if it is as you described. I've got two yep. other two other things to mention though before we dive into the stains. One, I got the Finding Joseph I documentary in the mail. Oh, cool. Got to check that one out. That's the documentary. It's kind of goes along with the book, which is an oral history of HR from Bad Brains. The book is by Howie Abrams and James Lathos. DVD will be I hope it's better than the Greg Prado book on bad brains that was a su super big disappointment i agree uh mostly mostly because i really like everything else greg prado's done but i don't think i learned anything i didn't already know from that book no finding joseph i that book it's very good i mean it goes into a lot of detail about hr's bands other than bad brains and i really didn't know much about that at all and it's especially his connection with that one artist on sst raz michael who's a big reggae artist. I had no idea that there was a connection there. Um, one other mention when you're talking about jazzy punk, though, I got to give a plug for something else I picked up that as much as I like the Husker Du box set, I'm actually listening to this a lot more. And you might appreciate this. It's And this is a little, it's not really SST related, but it is. Uh, it's the U-Man box set. Oh, I ordered that too. I haven't gotten it. It's really, really good. That that's the type of stuff that's really up my alley. And I've heard probably about 50, maybe more than 50% of it. But just as a package, it's a really good box set. And uh, it's way cheaper than the Husker Du one. <laughs> yeah, Sub Pop's been doing a great job of repackaging their back catalog for sure. Like those Tad albums were all really great. All right, well, enough talking about how poor we are because of yeah. the records that we're buying. Let's talk about the stains. History Lesson, Part 1. Okay, so the Stains are an interesting band, and this is this is not the Stains that turned into MDC. This is the Stains mm -hmm. from, from East L.A. in the late 70s. There are differing accounts of when they started, somewhere between 76 and 78, but formed in East L.A. in the Boyle Heights area, and uh, apparently by first by a guy named Jesse Fix, or a.k.a. Jesus Fix, on bass, and their guitarist, who is one of their main members, named 
Robert Becerra, or Becerra, I don't know how to pronounce that. And Robert, he, he's kind of an interesting guy. When you read up about him, apparently Greg Ginn was a big fan of Robert, his guitar playing, and uh, was apparently very inspirational. Yeah, you can tell he's a fan, for sure. And I, I've heard, I've read in several different books that kind of insinuated that that was what made him want to add a second guitarist to Black Flag was the Stains sound. Definitely. And there are on a ton of places you can see when you read up on the Stains, Chuck Dukowski's quote that the Stains were, at the time, the best band in the world. Now, there was a lineup change between forming and recording this record. Robert Becerra, or Becerra was still in the band. He stayed in the band. They got a guy named Rudy Navarro on vocals, a guy named Cesar Vizcarra, maybe Cesar, Cesar, Vizcarra on bass, and he ended up playing in DC3 with Dez Kadena from Black Flag. And then he also, I don't know if he ended up re actually recording with Blood on the Saddle, but he was in Blood on the Saddle, which is kind of a cowpunk band that had at least one album on SST, which we'll get to eventually. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I should mention too, Robert Becerra, he actually played on a DC3 record as well, the DC3 record called Vita. Oh, yeah. He either played on or wrote the song Everything, which is actually a, a pretty good DC3 record, uh, that or the Vita record, and the song Everything is a, a neat track. And then rounding up the stains was a guy named Gilbert Barrowman on drums, who apparently is also known as Jack Rivera. And I, I don't know if you've checked this out. There is actually a like a Vans video series on YouTube where they talk about the East L.A. backyard punk scene, which apparently started as far back as when the Stains started and is still going strong today. And Jack Rivera actually makes an appearance in there talking about how they were pretty much the first East L.A. punk band. So they've got a very, very interesting here uh, history. I've also read up and seen them referred to as the Latino black flag because they were all Latinos, which is also very unique. To me, they're more like the Latino Diglo abortions. <laughs> <laughs> Not lyrically, but that's that's who they remind me of. Well, it's interesting. When I was reading about them, and I know them basically for the one track on the blasting concept called Get Revenge. And then I sought out this record and listened to it for the podcast. And I was listening to it and reading up on them. And they are, they're described as kind of bringing a bit of a metal element into punk and you know metal is not necessarily my favorite i used to i used to really really dislike metal when i was a kid there are some metal elements that i can i can get into in music nowadays but when i listen to the stains and maybe back then it was more metal but what i hear is like thrash punk that's what they sound like to me yeah i don't know i think to me that the first band i thought of was the Dayglo abortions as far as metal i mean i don't know the guitar players using a <laughs> using a whammy bar quite uh, liberally, I would say. Quite a bit. Lots of palm muting, lots of chugging right on the guitar playing. Yeah. And that's pretty metal. But that's but that to me is like kind of, you know, DRI type of thrash is what I thought of for some reason. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, they played around the LA scene in the late 70s and early 80s. And by all accounts, a lot of the bands from that era, like, you know, Black Flag, but X as well, the plugs, the gears, the weirdos, they all really thought very highly of uh, the stains and played with them. And again, they were, it's interesting to get into something that they were just a blip in the SST world, but the, the two main figureheads 
on SST, Chuck and Greg were absolutely huge fans. They put out this record, recorded the record in 81, came out in 83, and then they were kind of gone. I didn't really find much about how they broke up. Hey, Ryan, did you hear that? I guess you could call it a podcast on WFMU radio. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have not. What's that about? This was around the time Enter Naomi came out. Uh, Mugger and Carducci were on the radio on WFMU. I can't remember where the station's located, maybe in like New Jersey or something like that. Oh, and that book, Enter Naomi, is written by Joe Carducci. It's about the kind of the SST staff photographer, Naomi, Naomi Peterson. So they were on this radio show playing, picking songs. And it was mostly stuff from like their time at the label. So kind of the stuff we're dealing with right now. And uh, they talk about all kinds of stuff, but they do mention like that Greg in particular had real, like uh, he, he really wanted to document, like he was really concerned with bands going undocumented. And they specifically mentioned the Stains as like one of those bands that, you know, they were worried was going to go undocumented. And that's why the album came out so much later because they, they paid for the recording because they were worried the band wasn't going to survive and uh, they didn't have any money to put it out at the time. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it came out two years later. As I, as I mentioned, um, I don't know what eventually happened to them. As I said, that Cesar or Cesar Vizcarra ended up playing in DC3 and Blood on the Saddle. I don't know where everyone else went. In some of the stuff I was reading, it sounds like they reformed in the last 10 years or so, but doesn't sound like it was with the full original lineup. But anyways, it's an interesting band. This is this is it for the Stains. And uh, they have a huge following with people who came up during that period and got to see them. And like I said, Henry Rollins talks about them multiple times uh, in each of his Fanatic books. Like he would have played tons of their songs on his radio show and he's always getting the word out on them. So it's very cool to look into them. I bet you, I wonder if they were around when he was in the, when by the time he was in Black Flag, I bet you they were done. Well, it's interesting. I was mentioning that Chuck Dukowski is quoted as saying, you know, this is the best band of all time. I seem to recall when reading something somewhere, I can't remember, I read a whole bunch of little snippets. It's like there's no book on the stains, right? You have to put a ton of stuff together. And, you know, you can't rely on Wikipedia or Discogs. They contradict each other. The truth is somewhere in the middle. But I seem to recall reading something, and I think it was in one of Henry's books, where he talks about, Black Flag coming to D.C. and Chuck Dukowski saying the best band in the world is The Stains. And then when Henry finally got to see them, because I I believe Henry ended up going back to L.A. pretty shortly after they came to D.C. So he would have seen them in the 81 time frame. So there's, I don't know, there's a chance that he would have seen them. Henry, if you're listening, let us know. Did you see The Stains? With that, let's talk about the release itself. History Lesson, Part 2. So this is a pretty bare-bones release. When you look at the cover, black and white, it's got the four guys on the cover. It looks like a kind of a copy-and-paste job, and it has kind of the stains symbol, which is a a circle with an X through it. Everyone had to have a symbol back then. Totally. Apparently, it was a pretty common like graffiti tag back then. I'm sure. The track listing on the back of the album is not in the same order as on the actual record itself. Like, for example, track one on the back of the record is the song Quit the Human Race, 
whereas on the record itself, the first track is sick and crazy. The back cover has got a picture of each of the guys, kind of live shots. It's got the singer. He's kind of in mid-growl. The guitarist is playing. It looks like an Ibanez flying V. You can see kind of the curly eye from a 70s Ibanez there, and you know who else used to play an Ibanez flying V? Oh, I know. Mr. Bob Mould. That's right. Good shot of the drummer there in kind of a tank top, white beater type shirt, and his jeans are all written with black marker on it, including the band's symbol, the X. And you can kind of make out the words. It it looks like Punk Destroy or Punk Destroyer. Very cool. Bass player is uh, playing a Fender P bass, one of my favorites. It says Photo and Design by Don Lewis. Don't know who that is. But this one is produced and engineered by Spot. And uh, it was recorded at Media Art at Hermosa Beach. So it's kind of a bare bones, but I would say like it really fits it fits their sound. It fits their image. Pretty basic, black and white, but it really stands out. It's it's a neat looking cover. I mean, it definitely fits the period of a punk band, hardcore band, 81 to 83. On the spine, it says uh, SST Records, The Stains, SST 10, and then it says $6.98. Again, the suggested retail price. I can tell you it's pretty hard to find a copy of this record nowadays for less than 100 bucks. Yeah. Any inserts or anything? Not with my copy. I, I don't have anything. I don't know if it came with one. I didn't look that up. It might have. When we get to the runout groups, though, they're pretty killer. One thing to note on this one, it's an LP, but it runs at 45 RPM. Yeah. And the tracks are on side one. Sick and Crazy is the first track. That's the one that Henry Rollins tends to play the most on his radio shows when you read his playlists. Violent Children, pretty hardcore sounding uh, song titles, I guess you could say. Track number two is Violent Children. Track number three is Gang Related Death. I can I can only assume, I mean, I'm a white guy in Canada. I can only assume that relates to being out of East L.A., though. The next song, Get Revenge, that's the one off a of blasting concept. Track five is Germany. And then side one is rounded out with a song called Political Scandal. Continuing the, the hardcore song title theme on side two, the songs are Pretty Girls, Nowhere, Quit the Human Race, I'm Normal, and then the last song would be Young Nazis. Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned the, the runout grooves. What do we got? I've fallen into this trap before where I read it just normal without, and for kind of for the first time, I lose the accent. I lose the, the emphasis on the runout grooves. I did read this one first, but I'm not going to even try. This is just going to sound like, uh, you know, a middle-aged white guy reading it. It says on side one, El Noche la cerveza, the metal, the shaman, brother, el tumis. And then it has spots signaled there, the the circle with dot through it. Okay. So el noche, la cerveza, the metal, the shaman, brother, el tumis. Don't know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> me either. Uh, and then side two says la musica de la grafitoria, la historia de media art, fin, 1981. And I can only assume that, loosely translated, that is, this is going to sound terrible, but this is the music. It was it was uh, history. It was recorded at Media Art and finished in 1981. Something along those lines. I'm going to get butchered on that on social media. That's okay. <laughs> I can take it. We'll get corrected. That's okay. We can Getting corrected is good. 
I don't mind constructive criticism, but if people try and say that I'm I'm trying to speak Spanish, I don't think that's being fair to me. It's pretty apparent that you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. How about the ballot result? Ballot result. Okay, so I'm going to throw this one over to you, Brent, uh, only because I know you're such a big fan of Greg Ginn's guitar playing. And this guy was, this um, Robert Becerra, or Becerra, was such a big influence on Greg Ginn. So I'm interested to see what track stood out to you. You know what? Uh, I listened to it, like, the whole thing, like, three or four times. Nothing really stood out to me. The guitar playing is definitely, I can see why Greg Ginn liked it. To me, it's not even close. Greg Ginn destroys it, in my opinion. Uh, I didn't really have a favorite track, to be honest with you. Nothing really stood out for me. It was all kind of kind of sounded the same to me huh well i'll say like for my part get revenge stood out to me but i think that's because i've heard it a few times before on the blasting concept so it sounded more familiar okay so if you're gonna bow out what's the track henry plays well that's that's where i'm going if you're gonna bow out why don't we go with sick and crazy which is the one that henry plays probably the most often on his show sure done deal well that's it that's the ballot result for this week sick and crazy and that's it for The Stain, episode 10. Hey, you know what song I've had stuck in my head all day today? What's that? You know that Firehose song, Disciples of the Three-Way? Oh, yeah. I was trying to figure out where I where I heard it, because I haven't listened to that. I think that's on Mr. Machinery Operator, which I haven't listened to for, like, all year for sure. And then I, I traced it back to, I was wiring a light switch into my basement, and it was a three-way switch, it was called. <laughs> that's what it said on the box. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got, I got to, before we talk about the next podcast, I got a confession to make. Okay. I know that we're supposed to try and like come to these podcasts a little bit cold and only listen to stuff kind of as we come up to it. Yep. And I mean, it's not a strict rule, but it's something that we wanted to try and do so that we could, you know, really get into these releases as we get to them. But I, I got a confession to make. I had to listen to Raging Full On this weekend. That's okay. I listened to Double Nickels the other day. so I think Raging Full On is like episode 79, and I just couldn't wait. And I was I was starting to get the shakes. I hadn't heard some fire hose in so long. Well, you got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, I know. I have to cope somehow. That's it for this episode. What's next week? Next week is Worm, We're Off, which is another... It's not a, a one-off. There are two Worm releases on SST. Uh, they're on a couple of compilations, but this is the first time we see Worm, which is a Chuck Dukowski band, and very interested to get into that one. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. 